Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, tech fans, and welcome in to episode 133 of the Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's High Tech Studios and the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. We've got a busy show planned for you today as we discuss the news of the Virginia Tech UVA season opener being delayed due to COVID-19 inside the Hokies program. We'll get Will and Chris's thoughts on that. Plus, we'll evaluate the possible quarterback rotation for Virginia Tech. No, it's not 2008, it's 2020. We'll get their thoughts about Braxton Burmeister and Hendon Hooker splitting time. Plus, we'll take your questions at the end on Facebook Live. It's all coming up on the Tech Sideline podcast that gets started right now. And with that, we welcome you back into the Tech Sideline Podcast. Whether you're watching live on Facebook, archived on YouTube, or listening on Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on Stitcher. We're so glad that you could join us as we record on Monday morning, September 14th. Our crew today, we've got our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart, the best producer in the land. He is Malcolm Stewart, and I'm your proud podcast host, Evan Hughes. Gentlemen, good morning. Great to be back with you. Chris Coleman, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. Like the hat we're rocking. A California hat today on the set. And a nice orange tech sideline shirt. We go from the orange tech sideline shirt to the maroon tech sideline polo. Polo. With Will Stewart. How are you doing this morning? Good. I decided to dress up today. Um, So, you know, one thing I I realized we didn't go over the last podcast for our audio-only listeners is that we are masked up. Um, so if you don't watch the video and you only listen to the audio, um, I thought it sounded pretty good <laughs> last last week. Um, we have made some changes, to, mostly in the mask that Evan is wearing to try to get things to sound good. But, but we did not. Uh, we didn't go over that for the audio only listeners. Clearly, it's 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 obvious on uh, on the Facebook Live and on the videos that we archived to Facebook and YouTube. So the wearing of the masks. Let's discuss that a little bit. I'm sure everybody loves those kind of topics, but uh, we, we did get a little, uh, I would call it backlash from a few users, and I wanted to read some of the things that were said. It's not quite as humorous as some of the uh, mean things people tweet. <laughs> this is like the segment say. on late night shows, mean tweets, you know what I mean? It's uh... But but you know what, before I launch into that, we should talk about Jonathan Fisher and the Fisher Law Firm. We should, I was about to get there, because each and every Tax Online podcast is brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm, Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm, dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. The Fisher Law Firm handles cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia, and to date, 
The firm has defended tens of thousands of people charged with moving violations. For a free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll free. Their number, 1-800-680-7031. Again, that's 1-800-680-7031. Or you can email them at info at fisherlegal.com. The floor is yours, Will Stewart. Also, I wanted to mention we've got uh, Grit, of course, is sponsoring the podcast for the next couple of months. So we'll uh, we'll give them some time later. And uh, we've been working on our sponsorships, and we also have uh, Campus Emporium is back on board for the fall. And we're going to do something kind of neat with them. We, we do featured items for Campus Emporium on the website and on social media once a week. But we're also going to start bringing the featured items into the podcast so you can see them and have a look at them. And uh, um, you might even catch me wearing a few things if, uh, if they have my size. So, And then also we've got Tony Roby's uh, Southeast Regional uh, Training Center back on board for, the, for this academic year. And, uh, you know, it's interesting with all the talk about football, nobody's really talking about yet what happens to the other sports. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to have Tony on the podcast and, and get into that about wrestling. Wrestling starts up a little bit later than, than football, so there hasn't been a whole lot of discussion. But uh, just want to say that the SERTC is also back on board. So as far as some of the response to the wearing of the masks, um, I've got four things here. And I want to talk about it just a little bit. I don't want to spend much time on it because we're all kind of sick and tired of the of the of the topic. Um, not masks, but COVID in general. So Palmetto Hokie says, you guys sound ridiculous wearing your virtue signaling muzzles. <laughs> um, anybody who knows me knows that the last thing I am is a virtue signaler. And I'll just leave it at that. Um, so, uh, and I, I don't remember where all these comments come from. They are a combination of comments on the article on the website, where we, you know, where we run it on the website. Uh, Facebook comments, which tend to be a little wild and woolly. And uh, YouTube comments as well. So, uh, there, here's a comment from, I don't know if this is a real name or not. Laco Thans, L-A-C-O-T-H-A-N-S. Uh, looked them up in the... TSL database, not a registered user of the site. I don't know if that's a real name or not. Take that thing off your face. The pandemic is over. Never was. <laughs> well, alrighty then. Um, Thomas Train, who is is often comments on the YouTube videos, does a great job with uh, you know interacting with us over oh, on YouTube. He does. Corona Bros, take the masks off. So, which leads to a question. I hear Corona Bros all the time. Is it for people who are really obsessed with the coronavirus and worried about it? Or is it for people who aren't worried about it and think it's all a uh, all a, a hoax or whatever? Not a hoax, but not it's something to be for taken. For whatever so, you want it to mean. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've seen it and I've never been able to figure that out. So let's see. Steve B says, loosen up that mask, Evan. Sounds like you have a sock in your mouth. <laughs> so Evan has mask? a new kind of mask today. By the way, the more you talk, the more this one's going to ride down yep. your nose. No, I've already started <laughs> to experience it. I was trying to match. Uh, Steve, was that his name? I was trying to go with I had a maroon polo on last week with the orange mask. but It looked sharp, but it, but it did it did kind of uh, yes. muffle you more We've than We've made Chris adjustments. We went back and watched the tape. And so, so this is this is actually uh, somewhat something I somewhat seriously wanted to address. Eric Paris, is it really necessary to wear masks when sitting six feet apart? Literally just for show? Come on, guys. Um, we're not quite six feet apart. I mean, Evan and I are, but uh, you know, I think if you measure the distance between the three of us, you're going to find it's tighter than that. It's like three or four feet. But but more than that, we're we're sitting indoors, and Tristan Race, you know, responded to that. Yes, it is very much sitting in a confined space. 
for an extended period of time is pretty much the single riskiest thing you can do. Um, I would add to that, we have two students here, Evan, Malcolm, um, you know, uh, half jokingly, uh, uh, the issue here, as everybody's been saying, is the off-campus students um, and, and their get-togethers and things like that. And that's where you're seeing a lot of the spike coming from. Um, so half jokingly, we're protecting ourselves from our off-campus students who come in and help us. But, you know, more so than that, we're, we're not going to sit here and do a podcast without wearing masks when Virginia Tech has been pretty clear that they want their students masked up pretty much all the time, no matter where you are. So it's also about that. If you think we're going to put video evidence out there that we're sitting with a couple of students for an hour to an hour and a half, not masked up, and thus put those students at risk for getting into trouble with Virginia Tech, that's not happening. So anyway, I wanted to share some of that uh, stuff with you and um, thought it would be an interesting way to kind of broach the topic of, yes, we are masked up, you know, and, and we are going to be for the time being. You know, and until this wave subsides out the other end and until the here's the word protocols again, until the protocols for Virginia Tech change, this this is the way it's going to be. I hate it. I don't mind saying I hate it. I think we look ridiculous. I can't stand it. I've had six months of people wearing masks. I'm sick and tired of it. Just as much as I'm sick and tired of all the Zoom videos of all these faces on a computer screen. I want to get back to normal more than anybody. But here we are. So rant over. Thank you for your time. And we transitioned to uh, the news of the weekend, and really it was a national headline in college football as Virginia Tech and UVA were set to open their seasons this Saturday in Lane Stadium. That game has been postponed after COVID-19 issues in the Virginia Tech program. There was a release put out on Saturday morning. Athletic Director Whit Babcock held a press conference shortly after. The team suspended team activities for four days, eligible to return to practice on Wednesday. Chris, let me start with you. What was your reaction to the news? I uh, wasn't surprised. Uh, I'd heard like as early as like late Friday morning that it was very, very questionable. And then early Friday after afternoon, I heard it was probably not going to get played. So I was kind of expecting it. I wasn't expecting it at 8 a.m. We were expecting a 1 p.m. announcement. So I slept in. I was going to go to the gym and then get home at like 1230 and then be ready for the announcement to write it up and everything like that. I, I should have hit you up because I was told close to midnight Friday night that there, the announcement would be in the morning. Uh, and uh, I don't know that I thought morning would be 8 o'clock, but <laughs> uh, that, that just speaks to the fact that there, there were people working very hard on this late at night Friday yeah, and right. early in the morning Saturday. Yep, but I'm not surprised. I mean, based on what we eventually heard, that Tech has had like as many as, what, 60 guys out? Yes, not due to being positive for Correct. the for the we, virus. We have to, we have to clarify have to this clear. by what we mean by sixty guys out. It, it could mean anything between positive tests, soft tissue injuries, or any other kind of injury. So Jaden Payute right. with his broken leg counts in this too, and then contact tracing. With contact tracing being by far the biggest culprit out of all that, I, th I think in le in level level of seriousness and level of number of issues. I think you go contact tracing, number one, injuries, number two, positive test, number three. And actual positive test, yeah. number three, yeah. Um, it, it's interesting they're they're playing the, the 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 game of keeping the actual data very, very close to the vest. I, I, one of my best sources was communicating with me Friday night, telling me what was gonna happen. 
And even he doesn't exactly know what the numbers are. I'm sure if he put his foot down, he could find out. He's a person of influence. But I, I thought that was interesting um, that, that they're playing that, that close to the vest. Um, so, Again, Episode 133 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. It's brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm. Um, shortly thereafter, Whit Babcock did hold a press conference. I know both of you did have a chance to uh, listen to what he had to say. Was there anything that stood out? Um. Witt did get into uh, a, a couple of issues that, that had not been discussed publicly before. I've been fussing that the ACC needs to um, add some uh, uh, specific um, numbers to, to what's required to play or not play a game. When are you allowed to cancel and not cancel under what conditions? And and Witt, in, in talking to us Saturday morning, indicated that uh, there, there's a couple of things. He said there are there are internal numbers as far as in the way he talked about it. And, and Chris, you know, I'm trying to tweet while he's talking. So help me out if I get some of the details of this wrong. But the way he talked about it, he said, you know, guys, there are specific numbers for specific position groups, for example, seven offensive linemen. And so he, he said there there are indeed internal numbers in the ACC. But then he said there's also something called an attestation document that they have to sign, that the medical officers and I, I do believe the athletic directors for each school have to sign before they'll actually play the game. So there's two different things going on here. And one of the things I found was was interesting was after the interview, um, we got an email from Pete Morris, uh, Director of Strategic Communications at Tech, and Pete actually sent us the internal protocols that the ACC works to and a copy of the attestation document. That surprised me because Virginia Tech has not been forthcoming with things like that, and that was very specific and very revealing. But Pete did mention in his email to us, I think, words to the effect of, these are available via FOIA request, Freedom of Information Act request. That makes me think that a reporter hit Pete up afterwards and said, can you send us those documents? <laughs> because if you don't, we're just going to request them through right. FOIA. So Pete just sent them. So, that, so that's why they got out. So that's part of what you saw hit the national media on uh, Saturday. There were articles written about, it's funny, the thing that the national media seized on, and Andrea Edelson, who was on the call, she works for ESPN, Andrea may have been responsible for this. Um, I didn't connect the dots and, and do contract contact tracing <laughs> and that sort of thing. But what the national media seized on was under what conditions the ACC would cancel their season. And that's in the document. And I won't bore you with the details. It's number of there. There's a there's a bullet point list of about eight things that they take into consideration when deciding to maybe cancel the entire season as a conference. So that's what the the national narrative that was seized on was. When I looked at the document, I started looking for something similar to what the Big Twelve did, where the Big Twelve was very specific. Something like you got to have 53 players. You have to have this many players at each position. And Witt had dropped seven offensive linemen. You look at the ACC document, and it's interesting. That's the only position they call out. Um, the language is, give me a second to, to find it here. In the sport of football, a team should have an adequate number of players from its original full roster. Completely open to interpretation. Including at least seven scholarship offensive linemen dressed and available to play. Okay. And, that, and that's it. <laughs> that's it. Um, hugely open to interpretation. Um, 
Do I except for the seven offensive linemen part? <laughs> right. <laughs> what if I only have three defensive linemen? I can still it's, play. <laughs> it's, it's the entire document, which is about two pages, is odd to me. So I'm I'm sorry to to um, hijack the mic here, but I have some background in this stuff. When I, I I've, I've got a degree in electrical engineering from Virginia Tech, 1987. I spent 12 years in the working world before I started doing tech sideline full time. And a lot of the work I did in that 12 years was technical documentation, specifications for systems. I did some user user manuals. So I have a long history of producing hundreds of pages of documentation where the way you organize and present things is very important. This is this section. We are going to talk about this now. And, and you sort, you separate things out and you do bullet pointed lists and you just make it very clear. And then you go back and look at your document. You're like, what am I leaving out? I'm talking about this user panel. Did I completely not talk about these four buttons over here? I got to talk about those things. So I have a long history in this and, and, and it's so easy to criticize the ACC and boy, I love criticizing the ACC network, but that's another podcast. Um, and it's, it's an, it's an odd document. It just, to me, just isn't all that well organized. And, and that's an example of it, <laughs> of, of you got to have an adequate number of players to play. And somebody in the meeting, I guess, said, well, what does that mean? And somebody else said, I don't know, seven offensive linemen. Okay, let's put that in there. Move on. <laughs> that was just kind of weird. So um, it is having, having looked over the documents, there is the, the point I'm making with all this talking is there is still a, a lot of wiggle room and a lot of things that are open for interpretation. But uh, appreciate Pete sending that. It was interesting stuff. No, really was Chris. Anything to you for this? Uh, this yeah, this I mean, out? I think with the seven, the seven offensive linemen is is interesting for sure. Uh, I, th- I think certain teams are going to have certain issues at certain positions. Uh, what 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 if one team lost all their quarterbacks with the exception of some walk on, right? Well, in Virginia Tech's case, uh, uh, Knox Kadem. What if Knox Kadem is the only? Well, he's a scholarship player. Huh. Yeah. Well, that's true. Um, okay. um, right, right. So you can't even name a tech ball going quarterback. But he's the fourth guy on the depth Right, right, right. right. Um, or what, what if he was a true freshman that you, if in a normal year, you'd be redshirting? Right. Um, you're really leaving it up to the discretion of the school. Like, like if Justin Fuente had to do that against UNC and then he lost and then the fan base is like, oh, fire him, right? And because they're mad at him anyway because he lost to UVA last year. Like, if you're Justin Fuente, you're going to be like, yeah, let's not play this game this week, right? Let's wait until I get one of my quarterbacks who I would play back. So they're leaving it to the discretion of the schools for stuff like that, I, yeah. I, I think. Uh, and, and, and there's a window. The, 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 there's something about uh, the athletic director – and the chief medical officer have a certain window of time to bring it up with the league and request a reschedule. Mm-hmm. There is some controls there, but as far as making the the a coach making the decision, it's pretty wide open. Right. Uh, well, you know, and, and ultimately, like if a coach said, I don't want to play, and everybody else was like, well, tough luck, you're playing, because at some point we have to play so play we football. can put some games on TV and get some money, right? Um, but I, I do think there are certain situations where – we could put some schools in some really, really tough spots, yeah. and I think I think, and I'm, I'm glad that that there's at least in that there's an open mind for situations like that. I think, um, because like I said, you know, it's 
we, this is a throwaway year, except it won't be a throwaway year to the fans. They're going to still it's, hold every that, single coach the to the same standard. I wanted to say, I wanted to say something along those lines that that but like 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 we had we have somebody on our board saying Andrew who I think is a great poster. Um, I also also don't don't think he understood that the tech had sixty guys out, but he was basically you know going on there about talking about how play the UVA game. He's had five years to build depth. If, he, if we if we'd play if we'd played if we had to play UVA, I mean we could be. If we had to play NC State this past weekend, which we were originally scheduled right. to do, we would have been able to dress like 50 players for the game. We right. would have lost badly. Yeah. And he would not deserve to get fired for that, but yet the fan base would still want to fire him for that, right? So, so because that's just how fans are. Yeah, They're fanatics. So a reasonable person understands that anything can happen this season. Um, you know, if, 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 if the poo hits the fan for Clemson, the week before Tech and Clemson are supposed to play, play and Virginia Tech could field a full team, they could beat Clemson. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean Cle- uh, Virginia Tech's a better program than Clemson. Right. It's just it's a crazy year. So I'm making this point to somebody. I'm like, man, just quit worrying about it. Let's roll out and play. And the guy pointed out the obvious. He's like, football coaches do not think that way. Um, I mean, Justin Fuentes already lost to UVA. He we shouldn't think that way either as people who monitor message boards. Well, <laughs> that, that's again, that's a whole other topic. So. <laughs> Let's transition to the team itself. So this was announced on Saturday morning that the Tech-UVA game would be postponed. Uh, they were going to pause football activities for four days, which... At Virginia Tech. Right? At Virginia Tech, which could... Uh, sounds like to me practice could resume by Wednesday. Right. So what is the next steps for the program moving forward with now the opener being against NC State next Saturday? The next steps is get all your guys through contact tracing and get back to practice as quickly as possible and start working on NC State. Yes. Um, and uh, Evan, can you can you pull up on your phone? the uh, I screen capped something off of an ACC game. Um, this uh, this weekend, and it was a it was ba- it was a basic rundown of the contact tracing and testing protocols that the ACC uses. We we were debating before we went on the air how accurate and complete was it. But go ahead and read it. ACC football COVID nineteen protocols. This was a graphic that ESPN used during a college football game this weekend. Testing occurs three times a week. One test day before game another within 48 hours after the game now let me jump in and say that that test that is a day before the game is done by an independent which lets you know that not all the information is in that graphic right right it's incomplete point we're about to bring up yeah positive tests require 10-day isolation those identified through contact tracing must quarantine for 14 days so that doesn't make any sense on paper right so why would somebody who got identified in contact tracing have to quarantine quarantine for 14 days, whereas somebody who actually tested positive have to quarantine for just 10 days. That doesn't make any sense. So to answer your question, um, if, if you are a contact, then it can take up to four or five days for uh, symptoms to show up, mm-hmm. which, which adds the other four or five days. But to your point, from that point right, on, right. you can start testing, right? Mm-hmm. If, if, if you're going to say, okay, symptoms will show up in about five days, well, then start testing. And if the person tests negative, they should be able to come back. I think 
I'm guessing that's the case. That that's what they just don't have says. enough room on the graphic to put all that to in say there. that, right? Yeah. And I'm guessing it's something like you have to test negative twice to so, come out of quarantine, and you can start testing after the first four or five days or something like that. And, and so basically, now, wait a minute. Let me add one more thing for you going. And oh, by the way, before an athlete who has had the virus can come back and compete, they have to go through the heart testing to detect detect myocarditis. Mm-hmm and uh and be cleared by a doctor so. right so you think about it if you get identified through contact tracing um so you you know you're going to be out probably four days minimum right and and then you could come back but but if you have a number of guys who are out like that and you just you don't know for a fact you're going to get them back in four days or five days right, right? It might be ten days. It might be two weeks. So that's why, that's why the the UVA game was postponed. When it comes down to it, um, Virginia Tech they might get a large number of their players back like on Tuesday, or they might not. Right. And even if they did get them back, though, that means you didn't. You've you, you've only got three days to prepare for UVA at that point. And by the way, you haven't even practiced the previous five days. Right. So. Right. So uh, that started a, a round. And Evan, I think you wanted to get into this a little bit. I, I didn't really go through Twitter and see what UVA oh. football players and coaches were saying. So what have you, what have you got there? Well, and that's what I was going to transition to was, again, this is a rivalry. Uh, this is really heated up, of course, last year with UVA finally bringing home the Commonwealth Cup back to Charlottesville. And so a lot of UVA football players were taking to social media. And I want to bring up a conversation that I saw in particular when Hokies receiver Trey Turner was tweeting. He actually tweeted at Charles Snowden the third, a UVA player, and he said, quote, I'm ready whenever, wherever, bro, with the 100 emoji. And then Snowden said, quote, nah, y'all not. If that were the case, we'd be seeing you in seven days. So I'm not trying to hear that. Get your guys to start doing the right thing, close quote. What are your thoughts on that exchange? And overall... UVA players taking to social media as well as tech players. And then, of course, it got the fans all riled up over the weekend. Well, do you have the tweet from the UVA? I believe it was the offensive line coach. Don't want to put you on the spot if you didn't prepare that one. Um, But apparently he had some things to say about it as well. Um, uh, I'm kind of split down the middle here. I, uh, I love smack talk. I love that, that that I I mean it's I love juice in a rivalry. This bar rivalry was boring for fifteen years. Absolutely right. boring. Yeah. And I think not playing West Virginia, we've talked about this before, not playing West Virginia and having Virginia be so awful to the point where they can't even say anything to Virginia Tech. Right. They can't even say a word. I just think it took the fun out of this program for fifteen years. Yeah. Just about. Yeah. And or part some of the fun out of the program for fifteen years. And fortunately, UNC is starting to fill the. But they don't. They, the they don't have enough fans to actually. And it's just not. Yeah. A UNC rivalry is not the same as a West Virginia rivalry. Oh, correct. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I don't. I don't want to get all preachy. Although this is different here. We are talking a health issue. We're not talking strictly football. You know. So it looks like Evans got the uh, quote from the. Uh, I believe this was the. Uh, this was a coach. It looks. Uh, it says coach. Um, Faith, husband, father, uh, not not a hundred. Coach Garrett. I don't want to mispronounce his last name, but I'm pretty sure that this this was at least a tweet. I believe. "Quote: It is really that simple. You either are committed to your team, or you are not. 
There are those that can sacrifice for each other, and then there are those that cannot. The greatest thing is you get to make that choice, close quote. Okay, so um, here's here's my take on that, and it's a pretty brief take. Uh, your time's coming, UVA. You started class uh, after Labor Day weekend. You Two started, weeks after everybody you else. Started. So I've, I've sat and I've watched Radford University move their students in from August 1st to August 10th and start classes and see a surge two weeks later. I've watched Virginia Tech start after Radford University and see a surge two weeks later. UVA just started classes, so their time is coming. Um, now, that said, if they get through it and don't have a, have big problems on the football team, then you got to tip your hat to them. Yep. When somebody beats you, quote-unquote, whether it's on the field or in recruiting or in something <laughs> like this, then they, then they beat you and you got to tip your hat to them. It's a little do, bit premature to talk smack, though, on this issue if you are UVA because it could happen to them. And I thought, I thought John Laser, the voice of the Hokies, actually had a fantastic tweet. He said, quote, got to be honest, pretty frustrated and annoyed with the criticism directed at the players in our program. It's a pandemic. Nobody invited it here. And believe me, they are more disappointed than anybody, close quote. And to get up on my high horse, did you see anything like this from the tech coaches and players when NC State canceled or postponed? Didn't see it. Not that I, not that I recall. You know, so Virginia Tech has had an opportunity to talk trash to an opposing team that that had to postpone, and they didn't do it. Well, UVA's got an edge now under Bronco. Let's just go ahead. They are tough. Yeah, exactly. Um, And like you said, we we don't know whether that's fair smack talk or not, and we won't know for another week or two. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I have heard they've had their issues, like with some contact tracing and things and things like that. Um, I know they're reporting their number of positive cases, but number of positive cases is, is for the most part, isn't the, the issue for football programs. It's the contact tracing that's right. keeping large numbers of guys out. And so, uh, you know, I've heard from a source at UVA that they've had their own issues as far as that goes. So I do think that they're, they're, it's a lot easier to get on Twitter and talk smack when you know that people don't know that, yeah. right? Um, yeah. Now, at the same time, they might turn out to be right. Um, I, I do, I mean, for women's soccer was able to play this past weekend. Witt said the numbers for every other Virginia Tech fall sport are satisfactory. So we can play every other fall sport right now. So what is it about football where you got half the team out? Is that a discipline issue? I mean, it could be. Uh, there's no way to know unless you're in the program and you're seeing how guys behave. And again, I think that uh, to emphasize the point, we don't know the numbers, and at, at this point, everything is, is complete complete speculation. Yeah, right. So we don't know. Right. We don't know. Nobody knows. Like, you know, and those numbers are not being um, shared with. Yeah, yeah, and 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 let's say, let's go ahead and say it. Like, uh, so far, UVA players have had an advantage because they've had to go. They, they've they've done their entire camp until this past week without students on campus. UNC players have had an advantage because they just sent their students home after a week. NC State has an advantage because they just sent their they sent their students home after a week. So anybody with students still on campus is at a disadvantage when it uh, compared to like UNC. Like their football players are in a bubble now right. as, uh, that That's their university created for them, and Virginia Tech's players are not. And UVA players have been in a bubble. It's easy to stay in a bubble when there's no students in town, right? But now, but now the students are back. It's going to be a lot harder for them to do it. So we'll see, man. Give we'll it a see. couple of weeks. We'll see. And like, uh, if the numbers get bad, will UVA shut down like UNC did? 
If, when we get to November, is Virginia Tech going to be the only school with students left on campus? Um, and would that create an, an unfair, a competitive football disadvantage for Virginia Tech if, if that was the case? So, so I talked to a friend of mine whose daughter is, our, is a <laughs> is a first year at UVA, and uh, and he's he's had three other kids go to UVA. So, so you know, it's, it's fair to say he's a UVA fan, particularly a basketball fan. And so we were. I, I was saying that I, I really admire the way that uh, Tim Sands and the BOV are hanging in there and keeping the kids on campus and, and trying to plow through this. They, they recently, in addition to the original 150 beds or whatever they had, they recently moved some students out of West Eggleston, I believe, mm -hmm. to create more quarantine space. And, and I know that's difficult for those kids, but I applaud the effort being made to keep the kids on campus. And I've got a freshman daughter on campus, so I got, I got skin in the game here. I want her to stay on campus. Um, so I so I was just talking to my buddy about that, and he's been paying attention to Jim Ryan, the UVA uh, president, and and Jim Ryan and and uh, Tim Sands, and in general, <laughs> every uh, Virginia University not named James Madison seems determined to stay the course and keep the kids on campus. So I don't think UVA will will move kids off campus a la unc and nc state i don't think no. that'll happen we hope all numbers stay low for everybody at this point everyone's staying safe and staying healthy um quickly we got to take a break here in a moment but um with the news of this game being postponed it brings up the question of when will the commonwealth cup uh, be up for grabs again any mm -hmm. idea of when these two in-state rivals will now play their rivalry game this year uh, David Teal went through some mental gymnastics to talk about games that could be moved around. Um, I, I'm, I'm a, uh, one of my shortcomings as a sports guy is that I, I don't spend a lot of time on hypotheticals. I just like to see what's actually going on in front of me um, because very early on in my career, I would spend lots of time on hypotheticals and then they wouldn't happen. Yeah. It, it's like, what if Chris had taken all the time to write up the UVA game preview you know, before actually knowing it was going to happen. Thank God I didn't start on that. <laughs> yeah, you know, so uh, I'm just not a guy to spend time doing that. Uh, there is no direct lineup of open dates at this moment, mm -hmm. but there are games you can move. Okay. And so the, the points of flexibility here are the ACC championship game is either December 12th or December 19th. I believe Virginia Tech has an open date on November 28th. UVA is not open on that day. Um there are holes you can move stuff around, but I'm not going to go through all the possibilities. Yeah, like like December 12th. Like we, let's just say the rest of the season gets played as planned. December 12th would be like if you can't get played at any other point, then you can always play it on December 12th. Right. And if either one of those teams is in contention, it, like if if that game is going to decide who goes to the ACC championship game to face Clemson, then the ACC championship get game gets uh gets played the next week right but if Notre Dame has already clinched it at that point then you can you can just go ahead and play both games on the same day the ACC championship game at That's night and then Tech and UVA you know in the afternoon or something like like that because that game won't matter at that point in terms of who goes to the ACC championship? Game. So that, that's a good point, and that's probably why the uh, – so one of the things I was told Friday night while everything was being figured out is that the Tech EVA game would be rescheduled for December 12th. But when uh, then when the news came out on Saturday, there was no commitment made to that. And the ACC hasn't even committed to having their championship game on the 19th. They're still staying the course. Also. There's no reason to commit to anything in December right now. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Well, it was said on Saturday, and it was uh, tweeted as well after Witt's press conference and – 
Uh, that remains that Virginia Tech still has a chance to play all their games on their schedule, reschedule the UVA game, still has a chance to make the ACC championship game, and he, even the college football playoffs. So this postponement does not mean any of that is off the table at this point in time. Let's step aside for a break here on the Tech Sideline Podcast. Uh, we'll come back and we'll talk about a possible quarterback rotation because there is quarterback news in the program. We'll talk about Braxton Burmeister and Hendon Hooker. When we come back, you're watching and listening to the Tech Sideline Podcast brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm. If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Here at Fisher Law Firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go. Hokies. Welcome back in episode 133 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. It's brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm. Hard to believe we've done 132 full episodes of the Tech Sideline Podcast. That number continues to grow. Uh, Evan Hughes back alongside Chris Coleman, Will Stewart, and Malcolm Stewart. Let's transition to talking about Stuff that happens on the football field. Hey, but wait a minute. Can I jump in here? Because I was looking through, looking at Twitter during the break, and Tyler Austin, in response to our quest for questions, said, there is one scenario where VT-UVA could play October 3rd. If VT moves the Duke game to 12-12 and UVA moves the Clemson game to 11-14, that could open that date up. Well, you know, if you have to move two games, then there's any two games you could move, so... Uh, there's all kinds of possibilities out there. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. That's all right. Thanks for the feedback and thanks for the thought. Uh, if you have a question, we really want to get to your questions on Facebook Live today. I'm hoping to wrap up around the hour point so we can get to your questions. Malcolm's taking them down. Be sure to drop us a note. And uh, maybe you have a question about the quarterback situation because last week, Justin Fuente announced that Hendon Hooker would be Virginia Tech's starting quarterback. He started eight games last year, 18 touchdowns, two interceptions, but the surprise of the day was Fuente saying that Braxton Burmeister, the transfer quarterback from Oregon, would play. Now, he had to sit out last year after having his waiver denied to get immediate eligibility. Will, I'll start with you. What do you make about the possible idea of having a quarterback rotation? A lot of people get grumpy about quarterback rotations and don't like it. Um, I kind of like it. Uh one of the things that Chris and I have been told is that Hendon Hooker is the better passer at this point, and Braxton Burmeister is the better runner. That's what they've been able to tell through practice. Um, if, 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 and also, Chris has made the point that, and I think you even asked Justin Fuente this, can you basically run the same offense with those two quarterbacks Yes. as opposed to a Ryan Willis offense and a Hendon Hooker offense were different. So... That, you, you start with that. You can essentially run the same offense with these two guys. It's just one of them's better at one part of it, the other's better at the other part of it from what you've been able to tell in practice. Let's do some stuff in games and see what happens in games. Cause, um, and and it's, it's, this, this year's so weird because there aren't fans in the stands. Uh, I wanted to say when the lights go on, things change for some guys, but the lights are going to be different this year. And I, if you're having a true competition, it's really, really hard to – if you're a player right now, it's hard to compete. If you're a coach, it's hard to judge because right, we know at one point that half the Tech offensive line was out due yeah. to contact tracing and things yeah. like that. Uh, who knows how many receivers have been out, how many running backs, how many tight ends at various points. So 
like I don't know how many practices or, or how many scrimmages like Justin Fuente has actually had his entire team together. And how do you his interpret entire, what you're seeing? Right, yeah. right. So it's very, very difficult. Uh, I think you know, the, the first early they had everybody, of course, very yeah. early. And that first scrimmage when they had everybody is the is one where we know Burmeister was the had a good, had a good scrimmage, yeah. right? So I just, I think there's a lot of of unknown. Um, I. I would not have been surprised at all if Hooker had been named the starter and that was it. I would have been 25 to 50% surprised if they had named Burmeister the starter outright. But I was pretty surprised they had actually announced a rotation. And Fuente's normally a guy who, you know, that depth chart comes out and it's the depth chart looks the same all year no matter what. Yeah, he never right? changes right? it. Like, he does not tip his hand as far as anything Haven't goes we even seen instances chart. in the past where guys have season-ending injuries and they stay on yeah, the depth pro- chart probably. for a couple of weeks? Probably, yeah, who knows. Uh, the fact that he actually announced this huh? is – like when, when when Frank Beamer decided he was going to have a – remember when they pulled the red shirt off Tyrod in the LSU game? Right. And he didn't tell anybody. Now, we knew they were going to do it. That was not a spur of the moment in the game decision. I was told at the tailgate before I was tailgating with a big, big donor who was very close with the staff. And he told me before the game, he had Tyrod's play in the night. So the tech coaching staff went into that LSU game planning to play Tyrod, but they didn't tell anybody. You know, I find it pretty interesting that Fuente was willing to tell the UVA coaches, yeah, we're going to play Braxton Burmeister. I don't know if I'd have done it. Myself, what if personally, that's not true? What if he just plays Hendon Hooker? What oh, if he that, that, starts? That, that's, you know? that's true. That's true. It, maybe it's gamesmanship. I, I don't. I don't think that's. I don't think you can. I don't think. I don't think you can do that to a player though in that way. Yeah, in that way. yeah, unless you've talked to him ahead of time and say, and, "Here's what we want." And, do. and I know Fuente doesn't spend a lot of time worrying about whether or not he's upsetting the fans, but it's also. Yeah. Just, just another talking point. If you tell the fans you're going to do something and then you don't. Yeah, but for for someone who, to a certain extent, comes from the Bill Belichick school of how to do interviews and right. what to say and what not to say, I was surprised that he actually announced that. A good point. He's actually been pretty open this 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 fall. I think he's more comfortable behind the computer on Zoom. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm serious. Well, you know, I'm serious. Like he's been very open about. You know, he's not. A, it's a university policy, uh, according to Whit Babcock, for Tech not to release names of players who have tested positive or are going through contact tracing and all that. They want that. him release numbers. They, they, they want saying. him release numbers and things like that. Uh, so Fuente's going along with that, but you know they asked him last week. They were like, "Could you play the NC State game this week if you had to?" And he was like, "Yeah, I don't know if we could." And that was like on Wednesday. And that was the point where we should have realized uh, uh, it's this this UVA game probably isn't going to happen. Well, we, so, were, we, so, were, so, we, were t- we were told shortly after that, uh, it's talking about this week we just went through, it's really dependent on the next round of tests. Right, you know? right. Yeah. And so he's been pretty forthcoming and honest this whole preseason about things. And I, th- I think it's just the fact that he feels – I just don't. He doesn't like standing up in front of a group behind a, behind a lectern. He's 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 better in an informal setting. But I wonder, would he have addressed the Jaden Payute injury if Payute himself hadn't put it on Instagram? Right, right. You know, we we, we heard through back channels that Payute had a pretty serious ankle injury. Yeah, I don't and know. It, it, well, he he dropped the Nasir Peoples injury, so who knows? Okay. Yeah. Well, 
let, let's stay on the quarterback conversation because uh, I, I don't think a ton of Hokie fans have necessarily been introduced to Braxton Burmeister. Again, uh, this is someone who's a four-star quarterback, initially went to Oregon. Of course, Oregon had a pretty good quarterback named Justin Herbert, who was the number six overall pick in the draft, so he transferred to Virginia Tech, denied eligibility last year. Chris, what should we make of Braxton Burmeister? What do we know about him at this point? Uh, I know... He's from California, just north of San Diego. Played against, you know, so he's played against Southern California competition. I want to say as a senior in high school, he had 4,500 passing yards, 1,500 rushing yards, and like 70 or 80 touchdowns. The, number, the numbers are crazy. I mean, they're like video game. I mean, you said, said in, say, football and JV level, and that's what he <laughs> was doing in high school. Quarter of the day. Crazy. Um didn't have a great true freshman season at Oregon as their starter but after I mean, he wasn't supposed to start it's just some other guys got hurt he got thrown into the fire too soon on on a Willie Willie Taggart coach team um yeah, I think that, it, that's that's a double whammy by the way yeah uh, uh, yeah uh, being forced to play as a true freshman quarterback on a Willie Taggart coach he was team. only there yeah. for one year by the way it was only yeah exactly so everybody a true freshman He's in college for the first time, and even the even the new players around him, they're adjusting to, to something new to a certain extent because there's a new coaching staff. So he was put in a very, very bad situation. Um, I've heard Fuente has loved his game ever since he enrolled. I mean, ever since he enrolled. So I'm not really – having a two-quarterback system doesn't seem like a Justin Fuente thing because he – went through one when he was a college football player at Oklahoma. So it just doesn't seem like, as a former quarterback who went through that, that that's something he would want his guys to go through. I guess it dep- it'll depend on how it's managed. Now, as Fuente said last week, he said, well, think about the rotation that I was in in college. We rotated because neither one of us were any good. <laughs> uh, and that's not the case here. Like, but <laughs> Right. That's not the case here. I mean – Hendon Hooker threw 11 touchdown passes and two interceptions last year. So unless he's somehow taken a giant step backwards, then Braxton Burmeister had to at least match that, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, By the way, let me jump in here and say, I don't, I don't think we said this on the on the podcast, but Hendon Hooker's uh, quarterback efficiency rating was somewhere in the 165 range. He didn't quite have enough attempts per game to qualify to be listed in the NCAA rankings. If he had qualified, he would have ended up, you know, don't don't hang me by the exact numbers here, something like number nine in the country in passing efficiency, uh, right behind Trevor Lawrence, I believe, and two spots ahead of Sam Howell. So that's where Hendon Hooker was in in passing last year. And I want to throw in that De'Aaron King at Miami in, in 2018 at Houston had a quarterback efficiency rating that would have put him right in that group of four guys. So the quarterback play in the ACC this year has the potential to be strong. I wasn't blown away by Derek King the other night, um, but I'm not going to pass judgment. As we've detailed, it's been hard to to put – first of all, first week college football is generally rough anyway. But having guys be out of practice and things like that, you know, we'll see. We we don't know who's played in practice for Miami, who hasn't. I mean, it's yeah. it's just it's just so hard to know. It's so hard to judge. Yeah. So 
I, I thought Derek King had good physical skills. Uh, his his passing was a little erratic, but that could, that could get better. I want to pose this question because you were just mentioning how statistically good Hennon Hooker was last year, and of course uh, he was someone who really turned around the season last year after yeah. the Duke game, starting with Miami. You look at the quarterbacks that Justin Fuente has had here at Virginia Tech. Does Hendon Hooker have a chance to be the best quarterback under the Justin Fuente era when it's all said and done? Uh, on a season basis or career basis or what? A career basis, for sure, because he's he's going to be the only one that's going to be a multi-year starter. How about I throw season at you? Because I think Gerard Evans is where we all go to 2016 yeah, he's, he's his first standard. year. That'll come down to his receivers. I mean, Gerard had the two most productive receivers in Virginia Tech history. And Bucky Hodges. I mean, and Bucky Hodges. <laughs> I mean, six, seven. I mean, there were t- remember that play in the Boston College game when Gerard, it was like right before halftime, and Gerard just threw it up into double coverage down the field to Isaiah Ford in the I back of the end that, zone. Yeah. It was a horrible decision. You're going, horrible. No, no, what are you no, doing no. throwing into double yes. coverage like that? And then Ford just went up above both of them and made the play. Yeah. So. It was like, that was not a good play by Gerard Evans. It says so in the stats, but it was a horrible decision, right? Now, if Hendon Hooker did that to one of his receivers right now, it would get intercepted. Probably. Right? So yeah. it's not an apples-to-apples apples comparison. Um, uh, no, I'm not I'm not willing to go there. Yeah. P- particularly since he's going to be splitting time with, Sure, we yeah. are told, splitting, splitting, splitting time with Burma. Speaking of which, uh, good receivers. Isaiah Ford caught a pass yesterday for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, good to see him in action. Who Logan Thomas caught a pass for the Washington football team. The, the first one in uh, the Washington football team history. <laughs> somebody, somebody showed me uh, their app recently. I don't know what sports app they have, but it doesn't list like the, the city name. It lists the team nickname so it's like packers versus whoever so it's like who who were the redskins playing yesterday uh, washington football team no but who were the, the, the eagles. eagles sorry sorry okay so they were playing the eagles so the app was like eagles versus football team <laughs> <laughs> there was a great meme going around yesterday to the eagles that just said you just lost to a football team called the football team so so yeah I, so i was sitting there i was doing some work in my office and the game was on and i was only half paying attention and Washington scores a touchdown, and then I hear the announcer say, da-da-da-da-da, Logan Thomas. And I'm just like, hey, wait a minute. And it, Logan Thomas is actually one of the top tight ends on the Washington football team. So, actually, great day for <laughs> this kind of transition to my next point, kind of wrapping up the quarterbacks uh, and tying in the fact that it was a good day for Hokies and the pros yesterday. Kyle Fuller had an interception. Um, Kendall Fuller won for the Washington football team. Logan Thomas caught a touchdown. Isaiah Ford Got a couple of passes from the Miami Dolphins. And Tyrod Taylor, as the starter for the Los Angeles Chargers, beat Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals 16-13. Got the so win. pretty unique to think about. We're in 2020, right? And Tyrod Taylor is a starting quarterback in the NFL. I'll get to his pro career in a minute, but I want to go back to 2007-2008 when the last time Virginia Tech really had a quarterback rotation. Mm-hmm. Let's have some fun. Let's go down memory lane. Chris, what do you remember most about the quarterback rotation oh, between Sean Glennon and Tyrod Taylor? They were two completely different. Uh, 2008 wasn't so much of a rotation. First Glennon started, and then they benched him and started Tyrod, and then they figured out that they weren't really any better because they didn't have any receivers or offensive linemen or running backs. So by the end of the year, like the UVA game, they were kind of taking them in and out of the game, it, but that was like that was a, that was a negative situation because Tech just wasn't good enough. Yeah. Now the the thing is, the, the both those guys threw more interceptions than touchdowns in two thousand eight. 
Both of them did. Both of them did. Wow. But um, and they both threw more touchdowns, a lot more touchdowns and interceptions the previous year. And it wasn't that they got worse; it's everybody around them got worse. So the rotation did not work in two thousand eight. Um, but it wasn't the rotation's fault. It was the fact that Virginia Tech's offensive line couldn't block anybody. They didn't have any run running backs outside of uh, Darren Evans, and and it took them a month to figure out he was good. All right. And then their top three receivers were all freshmen. I mean, they were starting Dyrell Roberts at wide receiver that year, and he had never played wide receiver before. Which, which is a, which, it's amazing what Tavion Robinson was able to do this past year. But yeah. that's rare. And they, they, you know, they were trying to play Dyrell like sixty or seventy snaps a game out there, and he had never played wide receiver before. So that offense was awful, and it made look both 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 quarterbacks look worse than they were. Now, in 2007, when Tyrod was a freshman and Glennon was a junior, you had Eddie Royal, Justin Harper, Josh Morgan, uh, Josh Hyman. Uh, there was a fifth receiver I think I'm I'm leaving out. But they had five really good receivers. Was Clowney gone by then? Clowney was gone by then. Yeah. Um, uh, so maybe it was only four. But, uh, but anyway, a lot of really good receivers on that team, obviously. Um and Logan Thomas will tell you that matters. That matters. Mm-hmm. That matters. Because um, Logan had a great redshirt sophomore if, season, if you, I if guess. You, if, then, if you remember, Ed Wang got hurt, broke his foot, and was it Ed or Ed was the first. He was before David. Okay, so he broke his foot in the preseason. And that really messed up Tech's offensive line to, to begin the season. And so they started Glennon. We couldn't run the football. We couldn't pass block. So they put in Tyrod so he could run around and make the offense look like it was working, even though it wasn't. And it helped, although he still had some rough moments. So like I remember his debut, his first start, he threw for like 287 yards against Ohio or something like that. Right. And then the next week against William and Mary, he threw for like 60 yards. Right. So it was very, very inconsistent. Then Ed Wang comes back. Well, the Tyrod got hurt after that, and Glennon came in against Duke and lit it up. The, but really, that team got better when Ed Wang came back to hmm. solidify the offensive line. So uh, yes, remember, remember they were starting Nick Marshman at like offensive tackle yes. and Richard Graham at guard or something like oh, that. Gosh. So, was, so you ask Chris Coleman what he remembers. He remembers a lot. I remember everything. Hey, he does. What do you uh, remember, Will Stewart? I remember third and 31. Yeah. But I'm sure. No, that, no I wasn't finished, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> the, the UVA game was the perfect example. Of a, of a rotation working yeah. perfectly. I mean, you couldn't just bring Tyrod into run, and you couldn't only use – well, you kind of you kind of could only use Glenn to pass, but uh, Tyrod would come in like in the UVA game, and you'd expect it to be a read option. You'd expect him to run around then. No, they'd throw like a 12-yard out. I mean, they, they passed the ball with Tyrod just enough to let you know that with the, there was a threat. And we needed both of those guys that year because Tyrod got hurt against Duke. Then Sean Glennon got hurt against Florida State, and Tyrod had to come in. So we needed both of those guys. And I thought Steinspring managed that situation brilliantly, as well as you could manage. It's a lot easier to manage when you have good players. So this year's quarterback rotation, it's going to be the same thing. It'll work if it's managed properly and the players around them play well. Yeah, so so something to consider. If the wide receiver core is a little thin, then maybe Burmeister becomes a more attractive option if he can execute Correct. the run game better. Right. So that's something to consider. One quick note, and then I want to wrap up the quarterback conversation. Do you guys ever think in 2020 
when Tyrod Taylor was drafted by the Ravens in the sixth round that he would be a starting quarterback in the NFL in 2020? I don't know that I would have thought it in 2010, but I certainly wouldn't have thought it in 2013 or 2014. Uh, Somewhere around that time period, I remember watching, it was probably a preseason game, maybe even been a regular season game, and and watching, and Tyrod had been in the league a few years, and he just wasn't playing well, you know, and, and 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 this let's let's be generous and say it was 2015. It just didn't look like he was going to be around the league much longer, you know. And then I think it was Buffalo where he got into a situation where he finally got to play a lot, and and the commentary that surrounds Tyrod Taylor now and. And I think this was shown pretty clearly when he was with the Browns and he played a few games and then they switched to Baker Mayfield. And the Browns offense was very different because Mayfield is a risk taker and a guy who'll try to force the ball in there. And Tyrod's a game manager. And some people say that like it's a criticism. Um, you know, if you can spend 10 years in the league, including some starting time, and I think his starting record something like 500. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is rarefied air. There's only, you know, 50 or 60 guys who are in the two deep in the NFL at the quarterback position. Um, this, this is, this is achieving at the highest level in a sport. Is he one of the best? No. Has he got a 10 year career going? Heck yeah. And a Super Bowl, not to mention. Yeah. You know, has has he made a bunch of money? Sure. And Oh, by the way, I looked up Logan Thomas's, uh, salary numbers. I I think Logan's last contract is two year contract for $6 million. And it looks like something like 4 million of is guaranteed. So good for him making the transition from from quarterback to tight end and and having what will be in retrospect what I would call a successful career. Oh my gosh! Imagine if we'd actually recruited a quarterback and we could have actually played him at tight end slash wide receiver, yeah. or in the James Mitchell role that we have right now in the offense. Yeah. Oh Instead of God. just using his own. Yeah, you talk about four million dollars guaranteed. That dude would have already made forty or fifty million dollars by now. And, and he now has the opportunity <laughs> to play for his next contract, which could be even bigger. So Absolutely. good for him. Yeah, no, it, it really is cool to see all the Hokies and the pro and the Fullers are, I mean, just fantastic on defense. They're all 90 still. years old now, right? They've been, they've been playing forever. It just feels like Fullers have been around forever. Yeah, no, and, and, and Isaiah Ford, someone to remember the injury he had and then a seventh-round pick by the Dolphins. He's been on the practice squad. Now he's playing. And now, that, for that's a, a guy squad. I thought would just fall off the edges and it would never happen for him. So that's also good yeah. to see. All right, so final thought on the quarterbacks uh, for Virginia. We talked about the rotation. We talked about Burmeister. We talked about Hooker. We talked about Tyrod and Sean Glennon. It's already a great podcast where you're talking about a blast from the past. I want to close with this note real quick because I was thinking about um, Quincy Patterson. Obviously, with Burmeister and Hooker going to be splitting reps, that means that Quincy is number three on the depth chart. What does his role look like moving forward uh, at the quarterback spot? Do you think we could still see him come in and do power runs? Uh, and just overall thoughts on the season he had last year and what could be uh, for Quincy Patterson this year. Occasionally, you know, you could see him on the batter and ram run, but you you didn't see him, I want to say before the Duke game last year, he only, or maybe including the Duke game, maybe it was like the first, I think it was the first five games last year, he only, he only had like two carries or two snaps or something like that. So, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. There's only so many plays in a football game. And the thing is, you don't want to bring – if you want to bring in Quincy Patterson, occasionally you're going to want to throw the ball with Quincy Patterson. Otherwise, they're, 
they're just going to know, oh, look, it's going to be a read option or, or a fake read option, and Quincy's just going to run right up the middle. All right. Um, I think we're past that as an offense at this point, especially as, as far as the offensive line goes. So, like, the role for Quincy Patterson is to continue to develop, is to, is to just work hard and practice every day, develop as a passer. He gets an extra year now to develop. So he'll still be a helps. sophomore. Yeah, next uh, year. Next year. Uh, I, I don't. I mean, right now at this point, he probably wouldn't start until he's a senior. That's fine. I, I don't care because I mean he's a smart guy and he'd be a sixth-year senior, and probably a really good sixth-year senior. So you can't. You can't. I, I wouldn't give up on anybody with his his ceiling. Um, he was never a guy that was going to hit the ground running at quarterback. I mean, he had the measurables, but just didn't have the experience. I mean, they, they didn't they didn't throw the ball at his high school. So yeah. it's not too big of a surprise. So to me, Quincy's role is to be a good teammate, be a good culture fit, and and just keep working hard and keep developing. That's his role to me. And my advice to him would just be patient. You know, don't don't get antsy and transfer down to a lower level, you know, assuming that's how it would play out. Mm-hmm. And – you know, you, you do that kind of thing, and, and you're, you're, the risk of you screwing your career is much higher mm. than if you just stay here and keep working and keep waiting for your time. Well, he talked about that on last week in front of the media. No, I didn't get to listen to that. Well, what, he talked he, he talked about his parents instilling patience in him. Yeah. So I don't get the t- – I mean, I don't – you see a lot of guys that go into a school these days, even these freshman quarterbacks, they don't win the starting job and they transfer. Like Justin Fields – Honestly, it wasn't until this past summer that I realized he ever played for Georgia because he was there for so brief period. So brief, brief period. Of but time. aren't you also talking about right. Braxton Burmeister? You said he he was at at, right. at Oregon for one year. Sure, but you know, I mean, we'll cut Braxton a little slack because you know he played under Willie Taggart. We don't know what that does. <laughs> well, I believe to somebody. he redshirted one year and played one year. I believe, <laughs> or did he play two years? Burmeister. Uh, I th- he might have played two seasons. Out oh, there. he I played knew. two seasons. I don't okay. know if his second season actually counted as a red shirt yes. or not. Had, yep. had the red shirting rule started then? I, I don't remember. Yeah, I, I don't remember. But. Well, the quarterback room is gonna be fun to watch. And if there's one thing about Quincy Patterson, we've learned too. He's someone with a lot of character. You know, kind of embodies Virginia Tech, and so fan favorite. And uh, he certainly cemented his legacy with that North Carolina game uh, last year, no question. So uh, he's a. I think one word to describe the quarterback's will might be grit. You think they've got grit in, their, uh, in the <laughs> yeah. quarterback room? Yeah, I, I think Quincy's got to have grit if he's going to hang in there. All right, time to put on the hat. I think we've got grit on the podcast here today as well. Uh, Tech Sideline podcast is also presented by grit. grit. If you go to techsideline.com, you can see their banner at the top of the website. We've got two. It's actually awesome not right looking. there right at the moment. I haven't put it up there. We still got Jonathan Fisher up there. But I did adjust my hat so it fits better this week. So, so, so we've all got hats on the podcast now. Am I modeling, week. Malcolm? Am I on? All right, there you go. I'm telling you, that's a, that orange. It's like almost. It almost looks like a Texas orange. Almost. It's not burnt, quite burnt orange. Yeah. Burnt it does orange. look like a. So to find it, um, if you're if you're on a laptop or a desktop computer, go to the site. Look over in the right hand border. You'll see the grit button. Click it to take a look in order. Um, if you are on mobile, you got to get to it through the menu. You just hit you hit the menu, select more, and select our sponsors, and it's down in there. So they got uh, hats, t-shirts, masks. They were supposed to send us some stuff. hadn't gotten here yet. I'm wagging my finger at them. So they clearly they sent a couple of hats, but I'm looking for shirts and uh, 
and the mask too. Hopefully, we can wear the mask on a future podcast. So it. that's how you get to it. And appreciate it, guys. Great to have the grit hats right in front of the helmets here on the Tech Sideline podcast set. We are just at an hour on the podcast. Great uh, time. And remember, there's an 11 a.m. press conference, and I have to drive home for it to do Zoom. So we need to end. Well, I think Malcolm, you know you could do. Well, no, Malcolm, Malcolm's going to use be using that computer yeah, to process okay. the podcast. Right, so well, we can always kick Chris out. But Malcolm um, did say we only had a couple <laughs> questions, so I think right, we, we can wrap to, things up here quick. Let's turn it over to the best producer in the well, land. I can, gra- I can grab something off of Twitter also, so go for it, Malcolm. As he reaches for well, his according mic. According to Facebook comments, Devin Hunter just suspended indefinitely. Ugh. Breaking uh, news. And off yep, we Yeah, Virginia go. Tech Athletic Statement tweeted three minutes ago. Here is the statement, quote, Devin Hunter has been suspended indefinitely from all football team activities effective immediately for not upholding the high standards we have for our student-athletes. We cannot comment further on Virginia Tech student conduct issues until the matter is resolved, close quote. And they won't comment on it then either. I'll tell you, if you you suspend somebody indefinitely these days, then it is a serious matter with the – so it sounds like that's a university thing. Is what it sounds like. Uh, um, yeah, I wonder. Uh, well, know, let, let's see what. It, it's a it's it's a shame because he has, you know, he's he's been the the four star borderline five star guy. We can we cannot comment further on Virginia Tech student conduct issues until the matter is. And Andy Bitter also just tweeted he is told that this is not COVID nineteen related. Right, right. Okay. So it's a student Virginia Tech student conduct. So yes, this is something that apparently. He All broke right. a school rule. So that, that. so that means probably J.R. Walker at Rover. Uh, and even less depth than in the secondary. No, that, that, that's a blow, though, because we'd been hearing some good things. I was very complimentary of him last week in my secondary yeah. article about, about being patient and staying the course as, yeah. as a former top 50 recruit who did not hit the ground running. Yeah. Right? So that's unfortunate. We'll see what we can dig up and we'll see if i want to dig up anything so speaking of five-star recruits did you see that tony grimes had a block in the back on a punt return for i a saw touchdown? i didn't see any of that game. i saw some of that game did i see any of that game i was at the gym while it was being played yeah uh but uh i saw it on the boards that he had a block in the back yeah yeah I for, and i'd forgotten that he uh but he dropped out of the 2021 class and reclassified. Man, so he's a, he's a, he's a 2020 recruit. No kidding, you know? he was on a rock, so, so, rocket so, sled. So their recruiting class probably dropped 10 spots when he left and reclassified. That's true. <laughs> I'll have to look that up. But uh, no, I don't, I don't mean to rag on him. You know, he, he's 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 a true freshman. He's probably 17 years old. You know, and and trust me, I'd like to have five star recruits on Virginia Tech's team, even if they're blocking people in the back. Boy, though, man, seven five seven. Now, if, with Devin Hunter being suspended indefinitely. Ugh. You go back and look at that 2016 cl- or 2017 class, particularly from the 757, all those guys. If, if Hunter doesn't make it back and doesn't do anything, all those guys were busts. Every one of them, huh? Yeah. yeah. Let's transition to any more questions from Malcolm. We'll let's take a look at Twitter. Yeah, I've got one more from Eric Fisher referring to pros. Do you think we could get some of these guys back on campus to push the VT name to recruits, fans, and the general public? Well, we hope that situation improves with the who, – who's Corey it? Fuller. Uh, Corey Fuller. Yeah. And yeah. Jerron Gavale wins. Uh, the, 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 the problem is, like, these these aren't high-paying jobs. So any former – most former NFL players are going to have plenty of money. Yeah. So – and that's a job where you have to work really, really hard for 
not very much money. Anybody, any former NFL player is not going to want to do that. You know, people wonder why, oh, why doesn't this guy get into coaching? Well, it's because he's already made $20 million and doesn't want to work that hard anymore, right? I know. That's, so that's, that's, that's damn hard work, It's man. hard work to do, for, for right. Uh, and there's no reason to do it if you're already rich. So uh, I don't think, like, we're going to get back one of those guys in, like, a full-time jo- job. Like, at least not one of the main guys. Like, like you're not getting D'Angelo Hall with the $50 million he made in, in the NFL. Or even Brandon Flowers and the twenty to thirty that he probably made. Eddie Royal made good money. Yeah. yeah, not that Eddie. So like, I don't, I couldn't see anybody coming back in in like a full time role that that would like dedicate themselves to that full time. Like Virginia Tech fans really want. Like, like I love Virginia Tech, but if I was worth twenty million dollars, no, I, I wouldn't be living here doing that. I would, I would be someplace warm. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Um, uh, I wouldn't. I will say the hiring of Daryl Tapp is certainly someone who has sure. NFL that's a, that's experience. A, uh, yes. I mean, that's yeah. definitely a, a, a kind of answer your question. You can Correct. kind of pitch that NFL, especially uh, as a def- probably the best defensive lineman techs had make it to the NFL besides Bruce Smith. Sure. Pro- probably. Mm-hmm. Um, People might argue Robert, Robert Brown, Brown, but that's yeah. a long time ago. That was a long time ago. Yeah. That was a In little, recent memory. That was, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's it's easier to do, like, like tap. I guess we're paying tap, what, 200 grand, probably something like probably that. Probably that range. For one of these support staff positions, it's probably like 50 grand. Yeah. And that, that, and that, that becomes a lot. You just, you just don't have a large, large, large field of candidates with NFL experience looking for uh, $50,000 a year jobs, right? So, so here's uh, Grant Watson on Twitter. Uh, with Payute out, do you see Blackshear shifting to more snaps at the wide receiver position versus running back? Um, yeah, uh, who'd you say they put at the slot, Chris? I, th- I think you'd. Oh well, I mean they they've played. I'm sure Blackshear's taken plenty of snaps there. Last year, they uh, if you look it up, James Mitchell played in the slot a ton. Yeah. Like like you would think J- Mitchell would be more of an outside receiver guy. No, he was more of a slot guy. Oh, you were, you were mentioning Tavion Robinson uh, getting, Play, some, getting some reps on the outside. On the, on the outside. Right. So that says Blackshear in the slot to me. Um, Could, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, short answer to the question is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a guy they were going to. They were going to play him there either way yeah. to a certain extent. Yeah. Uh, Justin Fuente said he's a guy who can line up pretty much anywhere. They think he's very intelligent. He's picked up the system very quickly. <laughs> At this rate, he might have to play offensive line or quarterback or, yeah. or whatever. So we also got some questions on Twitter. Basically, you know, with, with the UVA game being postponed, do you think the extra, extra practice time helps Virginia Tech, et cetera? Uh, no. Uh, no. No, they're not They've got to play, right what, now. 11 weeks in a row? Well, well, first of all, they're not doing anything it, until it, Wednesday. Well, you, we know they, they – when the, when the NC State game first got pushed back, Virginia Tech took like four days off of practice, and I think yeah. people thought that was because – uh, well, let's just rest up and everything like that. We don't have to play this weekend. And I think that was because that was when Tech's offensive line cases were peaking. Hmm. And I don't think they could practice effectively then. So I think if they, in effect, shut the program down then. They just didn't really tell anybody it was for this reason. But um, So what was the original question? Oh, so, Does extra practice time benefit? Uh, no. You, you got to have a team we're, of players. We're not even practicing. Right. Right, right. Like, we weren't practicing two weeks ago for like three or four straight days. Yeah, it's right. Only, right? It's so I don't know how many practices Tech has had. I don't know how many practices Tech has anybody anybody has had. And at this point, they're tired of practicing anyway. <laughs> I know. Get out and play football. Yeah, yeah. Games, so so uh, well, again, yeah, I just I don't I think whatever practicing they're doing now, 
there's no way you can convince me that the players are 100%. I mean, they started practice in the first week of August. It's it's mid-September. It's September yeah. 14th. Well, yeah. I think as we're yeah, seeing, yeah. One, one of the common themes of college football this past weekend was how, how much do we hear about analysts talking about the quarterback to receiver timing, the chemistry being a little off. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think more practice time is going to take away. There's going to be a little bit of that first week roster. There was a lot of, of there was play. a lot of rough quarterback play, and uh, not that Kansas is the gold standard of football, but Kansas got mauled by Coastal Carolina's <laughs> the defense. The shot to clears. There, there are some uh, some offensive lines have looked rough. Yeah. Um, you know, now there there are guys like if you watched any of Georgia Tech and Florida State, you can see the raw talent that Jeff, Jeff Sims, Sims has. Oh, that was great. He was committed to Florida State until so, like December eighteenth, and then he goes and beats him in his first college game. So Sam Howell, a former Florida State commitment, is is doing well at UNC. Jeff Sims, a former Florida State commitment, looks like he's going to have a the good real career deal. at Georgia Tech. Yeah. You can see the raw talent. It's right. rough around the edges. Let, let's uh, let's close the podcast with this thought. Florida State with the, what was it, two blocked field goals. There were like three special teams plays still found a way to lose. That's just what 16, Florida State 13 does. to Georgia Tech, second year of the non-triple option offense. I, I, I think they – I would not take that job if I was a head coach. I mean, I, I think it needs to – that whole program just needs to be completely gutted and started again from the ground up. I just – I don't think their players care. They're, they're starting to remind me of Miami players. Yeah. It's just there's, there's a lot of talent out there. Why can they not beat Georgia Tech? Georgia Tech, I think, is a very well-coached football team, but the fact of the matter is it was just two years ago they were running Paul Johnson's offense. So they haven't completely made that transition, and they've got a true freshman quarterback, and they beat Florida State? Come on. That, that, that's Florida State's fault. Well, there is a discussion on Twitter mainly about is, is does that say something about Florida State or does it say something about Georgia Tech and Jeff Collins? Right. The answer is probably both, and both. it probably says more about Florida State. Um, yeah. I I don't follow that program closely enough to make sweeping statements about it, but I just it, it's been seven years now since the national championship. The decline has been pretty quick and pretty steady, and. Uh, there's the money issue. Um, yeah. They don't have the money of everybody wants to group them with Alabama and Ohio state with, with the blue bloods of college football. And certainly that's their history, but is it their future? Right. You know, I think that's a good question to ask. Actually, instead of ending on kind of a download about Florida, how about we end with a positive note? Okay. Virginia tech up to number 20 in the AP poll without playing a game this past <laughs> weekend. So could be number on top 20 team, as I'd say, by next week, who knows where they could be. We're, we're half a game up in the ACC standings on Duke and Syracuse <laughs> and things like that. Let's all give a thumbs Success, up to successful the season right now. So Good far. things <laughs> happening to end the podcast. All right, Chris all right. has got a press conference go. to get yeah. to. Thanks to everybody for the Facebook Live questions and the questions uh, on Twitter. All right, a great episode, hour and 15. And again, if there's any news whatsoever on the program, be sure to follow at Tech Sideline on Twitter. Plus, you've got uh, at Will Stewart TSL on Twitter yes. and at Chris Coleman TSL. Is that yep, your handle? That's yeah. right. There you go with all the news and everything going on with Virginia Tech. That'll do it for us. A great edition of the Tech Sideline podcast, episode 133. For Malcolm Stewart, Chris Coleman, Will Stewart, I'm Evan Hughes so long. Thanks so much for watching and listening to the Tech Sideline podcast brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm. Have a great week, Hokies.